Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes. Use code ROPES. Double your first deposit up to $1,000. Jeff Hawkins here. Joined as always by Chris Novembrino, who is going to be with us until he gets tired of this nonsense. Also the president of the Slapjack fan club. What is up, Slapjacks and Slapjills? All of my jackalopes out there in Radioland. Let's rock. You know, you, you've taken the Rob McCarron, Tino Sabatelli uh, <laughs> thing. Tino Sabatelli, that guy was a joke. One step We're further. We're talking about Mr. Jack here. You've, you've named the fan base, all two of them, for Slapjack. <laughs> Is there, there a Slapjack? There are more? There are more like me, you say. <laughs> Jackalopes oh, oh. assemble. Hold on, you think you're a special unicorn? The only slap you you know what you might be. You might be the only slapjack fan known to man. I mean, the last man with good taste in America is a way I like to build myself, especially on the wrestling <laughs> side. Oh, Chris, let me lay out a hypothetical to you. I like hypotheticals. Okay. Hit me. Let's say you're like me. In some ways, you are a corporate sellout uh, who's killed all your dreams and uh, gotten a day job to help pay your bills. And uh, I, I work. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what you're trying to do right now. I work. Hawkins. Well, well, stay, stay with me here. All right, because we're I'm only try. speaking. I'm trying. I'm only speaking hypothetically here. Uh, yeah, no, I know. I like hypotheticals. We established let, let's this. say hypothetically, they uh, you get promoted. Uh, into a management position. And then let's say they decide one day, you know what, let's test his loyalty to the company and we'll take away that management position. Even though they're not really going to take it away. They're just testing. How would you feel about that, hypothetically? I would not want to be in that organization for very long. I mean, this this is a long way of asking me, have I ever been screwed with at work? Uh, And I have been, and I have been. Uh, And and it sounds like uh, our secondary champion, who's getting ribbed on SmackDown. No, 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 no. We're we're just talking hypothetically. Yeah, okay. Um, That's just a hypothetical question. No, it's hypothetical. WWE is not a company known for doing this kind of thing for the last 20 years. Just talking hypothetically, you know. Now, hypothetically, that's still better 
than hypothetically getting punished for your husband's online streams <laughs> by having to go through tables every week with uh, the largest talent in the division um, putting you through said table every week for two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This petty company hasn't changed in 25 years. <laughs> Just, oh, dear Lord. Some of the things you hear through the grapevine. No, you know, there's a lot of talk about um, you know, maybe unionization, uh, all sorts of things surrounding WWE right now. I don't want to get down into every weeds, but can you imagine if they actually like addressed just the workplace retaliation component of WWE's culture? Oh, God, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even. I can't. I mean, that, that... I, I, like all of the examples are trying to go through the door. They're all getting stuck like the Three Stooges. That's a slush fund like they have in the Senate for or for in Congress for sexual harassment. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they'd, have, yeah, they'd yeah. have to have. They would have to have a war chest for workplace retaliation. <sighs> Uh, anyways, we'll do this week. We'll go through the Wednesday shows. Also give you a uh, Survivor Series preview. Apparently, it's going to be The Undertaker's Farewell. We'll see about that. Uh, in the news of interest, uh, Zelina Vega talked to the head of the Screen Actors Guild, Gabriel Carteris, uh, this week. Uh, also reported by... Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer this week that uh, that Vince McMahon told Vega that uh, he didn't want to speak to her following her release, and she was escorted out of the building. Now, now, Chris, the reason I bring this up is That's because... That's what strong men do. Strong men don't <laughs> look someone in the eyes. Apparently, she was making more off of her Twitch stream than she was on her contract with the WWE. Now, it's long been a trope of WWE that they just don't want to build up stars to have them go into Hollywood and take on other projects and, and basically doing that off of all their hard work. But it has to be said, and, and, here, and here's how I'm going to tie this in because I, I kind of teased you with it before we started recording. Apparently, Sasha Banks, who was on this past uh, week's episode of The Mandalorian, she got ca- Do you want to know how she got cast in that, Chris? How did she get cast in that? Well, John Favreau was watching internet shows and was watching um, Hot Ones and saw Sasha Banks eating chicken wings. Well, the wings show, yes. While, while answering questions. Thought she had a nice look? Thought she could be a use in the show? Now, here's the problem. Sasha Banks is apparently a top-tier talent in your organization, WWE. They did not promote this appearance, by the way, on WWE television. But it used to be that if you were in wrestling, you were a big star, and then they had to get away from the projects. But now it's almost like these outside projects are going to be the thing to draw you to WWE because that Hot Wing show has about three times the viewership of your average SmackDown episode. 
That's what WWE does not understand. Exactly. This is it's not the 1990s anymore, where Monday Night Raw was one of the highest rated shows in that time (laughs) slot on cable on Monday nights. And when they talk about all of their ratings and everything, and as they've talked about all of their ratings over the last decade, tout and their weird sense of like engagement and Twitter, and like they don't understand where eyeballs are at and how to measure eyeballs and who's the big fish and who's the smaller fish. And I think, you know, part of that conflation too is if you're just looking at the stock price of the company, you might go, well, this company is worth a hundred dollars a share. We make X amount of dollars. We're super profitable, but it doesn't mean anything to hot ones. Hot ones gets way more views than you do, which is at the end of the day, kind of the name of the game. And like, I think more people are probably familiar with hot ones, the Wings show than they are with what's going on on WWE's product these days. Well, most people get their WWE product from YouTube clips. Oh, and they used to crack down on that too. I, I mean, like so much of this stuff is things that we've seen play out before our eyes going all the way back to Batista. Remember how like they had Batista right as he was going into the guardians of the galaxy run and, and they didn't plug it. They did no, not plug they it. They went out of their way not to. No, they no, 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 that's not yeah. a WWE films product. They didn't think it was going to work out. Uh, I, I would, I, I don't know why I went on this lark this week, but I was just like looking at, if John Moxley had done any movies, because it was like, he's a really good promo. Why hasn't he done more films? And the only stuff he had done was basically like WWE controlled products. Um, and it just sort of speaks to the way that WWE gets, it's useful to these people's careers to a certain point. But then after a certain point, WWE does get in their careers. And like the career track now as a professional wrestler is like get into the get into WWE, do a stint in WWE, leave WWE, go to the alternate track, which is do AEW, get all your like online YouTube, that sort of stuff set up so that you've got leverage to come back around to WWE and go, yeah, I'll come back and wrestle for your company, but I'm not going to do it on your terms. You have to do it on my terms. Um, yeah. Like all these performers now need to kind of follow this kind of weird zigzaggy track it's there it exists but it's vince is also creating it by squelching twitch channels and like making it so that people have to come up with this convoluted track but um that's what he's ultimately going to do and that's what he's done to the market well and now i mean the strategy used to be and this was part of cm punk's uh exit interview with cole cabana was you know you have to wrestle for Vince on Vince's terms and hope that Vince likes you enough that if advertisers come wanting to use you, that he'll he'll give you the green light. Because remember, Slim Jim wanted to use CM Punk and, and Vince said, why don't you use Sheamus instead? And I just, I, I go, okay, this guy doesn't get it. He wants to control it. He wants his piece of the pie. But no, you're exactly right. You... You have to be able to withstand negotiating a contract, not just taking what you're given, enough to the point where you don't get locked into it and then can leave, and then you make your bones elsewhere 
and you hold Vince up. It, it's just a ridiculous thing when... Oh, no, it's really silly, but the Macho Man model maybe is what we can refer to this as because, uh, no, I think the Slim Jims thing... The issue is uh, that Macho Man was able to get the Slim Jim contract. Kinda, what he was pinging and ponging. What didn't he get that in between WWF and WCW? I don't know the exact timing of it. I know that probably by that I, time they. Had, I think when he. I got know he it, definitely he was, had it in WCW. He was an announcer by that time, I think, in WWE. So I don't think they minded as much. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean. He gets because slim- he was 35 and considered over the hill. Over the hill at 35. Wow. <laughs> hilarious um but yeah macho man um with the slim jims thing you, you gotta just have that procured and essentially be able to tell vince hey you'll be able to run slim jim commercials on your product which has a hard time getting you know the advertisers you really want it just it it baffles me that we just went through about 15 to 20 years where the only intellectual property for studios was comic book movies. And you have these ready-made jacked up athletes ready to go. And you're not out there just begging studios to take them and use them in their movies. Look, they even know how to do stunts in some respect. You know, Vince is like <laughs> so scarred by the rock thing. He's like, well, they took The Rock from me. I don't have my Dwayne anymore. Instead of thinking about WWE in this more forward-looking model of it's the star, it's the action star-making facility of the future. You go to WWE, you start off as a WWE wrestler, and then you're the action star of tomorrow. And it makes people want to watch WWE more if you do this for 15, 20 years, because you want to see who maybe is going to be the movie star of tomorrow. Keeps the show relevant. It would bring so many eyeballs to your product that's already kind of... I am embarrassed when I watch the NFL and I watch those commercials because because they use all the WWE verbiage. It's not building up fights. It's... Buddy, Buddy Murphy, the former, or Buddy, you know, Murphy, the former disciple of the Messiah on SmackDown. And you're watching that going (laughs) and you're just hoping like if you have friends over, you know, back in the days when you could have friends over to watch games, then nobody turns to you and goes, Hey, Hawkins used to watch that wrestling stuff, right? And you'd kind of go, yeah, used to, (laughs) because it's just so, you're referring to a guy as a messiah. Yeah, and, and then you have ads. to try to explain to your friend who's not watching this what the messiah angle is. And it's so convoluted at this point. Where do you even begin? Yeah. Uh, Renee Paquette, Mr. Moxley's wife, pregnant. Congrats to her. Oh, I think you're burying the lead here. John Moxley's got a match coming up. <laughs> And has got a pregnant wife at home. <laughs> no, no, I, I think it's great. Uh, no, I, I, I liked the, it, the way he talks about his dad has changed. Because I remember when I was captioning, I captioned that Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, oh yeah. Sesh, yeah, yeah, thing with Moxley, and like, it, uh, it, it was a very. Moxley's a complicated guy to keep up with. It was very uh, tense, and he didn't yeah, really talk a lot to, about it. Yeah, and it got tense after the dad stuff. Um, 
And uh, I remember that. <laughs> I think he's more at peace with it. I think I think success. Yeah, no, no. It's it's very it's very clear. Just the fact that he's able to use it on screen and weave it into this AEW promo, which was a cool promo. Like, you know, not to get I don't want to get right into the shows yet, but like, but that was a cool promo. But like, it showed that he made peace with his dad. Um, I liked how it juxtaposes against uh, Omega a little bit, and yeah, dude. Um. Yeah, congrats to John Moxley and Renee. Paul Levesque is going through budgets, trying to find a way to implement some type of show that will get more NXT talent ring time and exposure. Since they're not doing house shows, there is a rumor that they are trying to build a second show to counter-program AEW Dark, uh, or whatever the second AEW show is. I would put it this way. I'd concentrate on your first show, because it's... It didn't even chart this week. Uh, there's just nothing going on. I don't want to say nothing going on on these main roster shows, but nothing lasts. It's it's just it's a it's a it's a quick midnight trip to Denny's. It's not bad, you know. Like even good Denny's is not great. Uh, you know, Denny's is fine. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm including NXT in that because that's what this is about. But uh, well, I and you know, like there's stuff I like on NXT, but NXT NXT is not NXT is not NXT anymore, though. Uh, overall, no. in, ter- in terms of quality, no, you're exactly right. It's it's becoming more sports entertaining as we go. All right. Uh, oh well, let's give a shout out to the sponsor here, real quick. Let's do it. My bookie AG. Between the NFL and college ball, it's no shortage of games to watch, and with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting while you're rooting for that laundry, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, unless you're Jacksonville or Cincinnati, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at mybookie.ag, and when you do, use our promo code ROPES, that's R-O-P-E-S, to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to help give you a little help and head start on your winning season. That's promo code ROPES for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. UFC is doing weekly stuff. I think you still bet on the presidential prop bets if you think that long shot's coming in. (laughs) The Kraken's been released. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at mybookie.ag. And we thank them for sponsoring the show. Thank I'm glad you, I could. Bookie. I'm glad I could pop Chris on a, and read. All right, um, Chris, the strongest champion in WWE right now is one that is only on the network, and her name is Kaylee Ray, and she is absolutely fantastic. I love her. I loved this match. If you need someone to take a lot of damage, uh, Kaylee Ray is your woman. Now um, do you see what I'm talking about when I say she's got like an underdog thing? Like she's, it's a weird comp, but stick with me here. 
Tomohiro Ishii. Yeah, she doesn't have she, she, I mean, the bulldog like, temper, though. But she is, she's just bad. Yeah, she can be really aggressive. When I say bad, I don't mean. She's an underdog heel is kind yeah, of what I'm getting at. She's not a weasel. She's a woman who's going to give as good as she gets. And she's going to fight the crap out of you. And she's going to use every dirty trick in the book. Don't get me wrong. But th- this match, Piper Neville is pretty damn great in it. Uh, I, I question sometimes some of the usages of weapons in these matches. Like, if you smash somebody's knee with that gimmick that they use to tighten the turnbuckles and stuff, your knee is destroyed. You're not walking on that. I, I have a bit of an issue with that. But they went all over this arena, and they beat the crap out of each other. And then uh, the end with Ginny, I thought was well-placed, too. I think that's going gonna, gonna to set the stage where... Yeah, I think you're. I think you're underdog. I think she's she's got to turn babyface somehow. I just don't know. Well, how. no. I so I think we're gonna get a triple threat here. I I, I really like the finish. Ginny inserts herself into the title picture. Kaylee Ray gets a very Kaylee Ray win where she you know messy stuff happens and Kaylee Ray finds a way and I like that. But I yeah I know I I see her at least moving to. Pure gray is oxymoronic as that might I sound. I am hoping that she's gray the miss. Status. There's gonna there's going to be a fourth woman on this babyface team, and I know on uh, for NXT War Games, which we'll get into in terms of the build. Look, your 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 possibilities are probably Io Shirai. I don't know if Rhea Ripley is going to be in on that because I think she's getting called up, or it could be a surprise. Now the surprise could be. Someone like a Sasha Banks, because as we know that this run for Sasha is to make her happy. And I think she'd be very happy to be a special guest in a War Games match. But I, could, I would love it if they brought Kaylee Ray over for another War Games match. You watch that War Games match from last year. The, uh, the one with the most spectacular heel turn NXT has ever done with uh, Dakota and. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She turned on uh, old uh, baby Kane. Yeah, baby, that we can't remember right now. I can't remember her. I can't remember her stage name in NXT. That's the problem. I can remember other. Uh, Tegan Knox. Tegan Knox. Thank there you. There you go. Um, but Kaylee Ray was doing big damage and taking big damage throughout that match. Just go back and watch it and just no, watch. Kaylee Ray is really good. She's, she is fantastic. She's she's been on a roll. Um, I I don't feel like she's I, I get why she's not getting the appreciation for the work that she's doing because of where she's located right now but uh no she's a really good wrestler a couple other of nice little for me professional wrestling things on this nxt uk show and between our show and voices of wrestling we're the only podcast i think that cover nxt uk week to week I'm assuming you're going to talk about Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter's not, hot new ring gear. I am not going to mention Whoop Guy and Bootleg Kofi. He's not, not Whoop Guy anymore. They have new music, which uh, it's, the music's not a bad song, but it's a horrible wrestling theme Look, song. Look, that was a fine little tag team match. Nothing special. I hated the ending because of it doesn't give the bad guys a clean win, and it doesn't really make the good guy sympathetic. It's just, oh, he gets knocked out. Guy does a cheap shot, roll up for the pin. It, it's WWE crap that I, that I don't like, but the two pro wrestling things I really like. 
Joe Coffey and Gradwell? Not wrestling. It's not wrestling-wise. The Mark Andrews, Flash Morgan Webster promo. Into the camera, passionate, angry, looking for a fight. This is their best work since NXT UK started. I liked it. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 No. I, yeah. I mean, it, I, I don't have. I more love. Yet. I also loved the Alexander Wolf and Gallus uh, thing, where they start with the promo in the hallway, where he's got, and all of a sudden Gallus is doing their dumb celebration, and the locker room interrupts them, and then there's that nice tête-à-tête between Joe Coffey and and Alexander Wolf. I thought that was some nice little pro wrestling storytelling right there. Oh yeah, no, I I, I liked that. Uh, I liked the Joe Coffey Gradwell match. I think uh, that <laughs> Hardway color really added to this whole angle. Uh, even backstage, Joe Coffey weaved it into that scene with Alexander Wolf. Yeah, Wolf, the- Wolf, look at you, you're bleeding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, oh, you beat him, but you're bleeding. Yeah. Uh, no, I I like that. I actually thought it added a lot to the dynamic. Uh, it, it was it. It was more than just a throwaway line. It raised the stakes, um, which is, a, you know, a good... If you're going to do color, having stuff like that is where you get kind of the payoff, in my opinion, for color. Um, so, yeah, no, I like that. And I enjoyed this match against Gradwell. I, like, Joe Coffey was, was a royal thick throughout this match, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, more. I'm looking forward to Jordan Devlin coming back being a part of this i i am not all in on this heritage cup because i just don't think it means all that much but i kind of like i'm not liking the rounds matches yeah i i kind of like the a kid promo the trent seven one left a little to be desired in my opinion but uh we'll see that next week i guess yeah we'll see that next week and you know it'll, it'll be interesting uh anything else from uk that uh I just well, Amir I just... Jordan's going to get his title shot against Jordan Devlin. Can't wait for that. Oh, jeez. Do you think Kenny <laughs> Williams becomes involved in the match? No. I think <laughs> I think that that angle goes on for way longer. <laughs> uh, it, Devlin, Devlin started to tease it, but I still think we have at least another three to four weeks, amazingly, before we finally get the payoff for Kenny Williams turning on Amir Jordan. Yeah, everybody right now shouting at the at their podcast. When are you going to talk main roster stuff? We'll get into that when we do the Survivor this Series. This is an preview. NXT UK show. It's always been an NXT UK <laughs> show. And one of the big gaps in commentary uh, in wrestling for the last, I'd say, let's say three years. Well, why not? I'll put, a, I'll put a number on it. I'm brave. Uh, is, is the commentary on NXT UK. And Jeff and I have been here doing it. <laughs> Nailed it. NXT UK and Slapjack. We know our audience. Slapjack. Hey, Jackalopes, unite. Oh. <laughs> Did you just do a half-assed howl for the yeah, Jackalope well, they, they don't, like, I don't think they howl. Like, a Jackalopes, who knows the sound that the mythical Jackalope makes? <laughs> Are you doing? Are you doing the retribution uh, hand signal when you do your uh, you do your little half-assed howl? Yeah, I mean, okay. why wouldn't why wouldn't I? Woo! All right, AEW. Some of the finer points of that. I, I think it's too early to turn Will Hobbs. 
I don't think we had a single babyface win or a babyface promo from Will Hobbs. And already he's had a heel turn. When the audience really had, I mean, the most they've seen from him is a nice run in a, in a battle royale and a couple of losses in singles matches. I just, I don't get it. Yeah, I think a problem with AEW up and down the card is how they manage the justification for babyface and heel turns. And so in the case of Hobbs joining up with Team Taz, I don't actually think that he's miscast there. I don't either. Yeah, but... I agree with you. He should have been a baby face and like maybe cage should have beaten Hobbs down and Hobbs should have had that. Like, if you can't beat them, join them sort of experience where like, but like cage really breaks down Hobbs. So that we, we sort of see who's clearly, you know, in control in the pecking order here. Yeah. (laughs) My first thought was it'll be a lot like, if you remember WCW from your uh, fan base, the fire and ice tag team yeah, with Norton yeah. and, and, and ice train, I'd love to see them as a tag team going after the tag titles against the small flippy do guys myself. I, and, you know, to kind of continue the critique of the team Taz section of the roster here, like I like Starks a lot I, and I like cage. Like I, cage has his deficiencies, but what he does well, he does well. Um, but having Starks and Cage sort of like clash as to who's going to be the guy getting the title shot next, like this should be a no contest. Yeah. Yeah. Like there should be a hierarchy. It should be there and it it should should be be Taz controlling it. Taz has sort of already decided the hierarchy by bequeathing the FTW title to Cage. And so if Cage is not in control of the hierarchy of team Taz, the FTW belt truly is a prop belt that signifies nothing. Yeah. You don't want the bickering this soon into a stable. You get that later when it's like, and then you go, know your place starts. And then you turn Stark's baby face. I, I'm just between well, you the, have bic- the bickering and then you're adding someone new in at the same time. Yeah, exactly. You're doing way too much. You're, you're doing six months of storytelling in one week and it's, it's yeah, it's too much. And between this and the other show, just having nothing but bickering teams all the time, it's, yeah, it's just a pain. Um, so, what do you think of the Young Bucks in Top Flight? Okay, that's actually where I wanted to go to next. You have a lot of issues with the Young Bucks storytelling. They're just trying to make the teal turn into face turn thing make as much sense as they can. I don't think that the Young Bucks should be going up against babyface tag teams right now and working even like ever so slightly heelish as they're doing if you're also going to be telling a Matt Jackson injury angle. Uh, The injury angle is inherently a sympathetic angle and then you're having very competitive-ish matches with Top Flight. It explains why you're having these competitive-ish matches, but... I think a more interesting version of this injury angle story is that Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson are going up against young up-and-coming heel teams, and those heel teams keep making Matt Jackson's injury worse, 
And the Young Bucks are getting through the matches week after week, but the injuries are starting to pile up on Matt Jackson's injured parts. This, for me, is where what you want to do in real life doesn't match what you should be doing on television. You want to... Look, they want to they want to throw a bone to a nice young up and coming tag team. Great, I get that. I think they gave him a little bit too much offense. I, I I thought the match was a little too much choreography, but that's me. It it's one of those. That's things where the it's young bug style. It's gymnastic. But that's top flight style also, and that's sure. the problem. And that's the that, private party style too. It's a very yeah, gymnastic style. With the Young Bucks, it just feels like choreography for choreography's sake rather than trying to win a match. And that's what's what's driving me nuts about it. There's no rhyme or reason from one move to the next. And, like, they have these series of spots that they've done countless numbers of times. Like, you know, the Meltzer Driver or whatever. And and they could tell stories using these spots at this point. It's not improv. Like they they are running. Yeah, they're not calling it plays. in the ring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, yeah, right. Like, you know, they they're not, yeah, you know, improvising moves like that. They're you know going like we're running this set piece now, and then they run that set piece. Um, and it's a set piece that they might have even done with the team they're working with that night before. Um, but it's certainly a set piece that the team they're working with that night has seen. Um, and understands what to do. Like they know what more more bang for your buck looks like. They know what the Meltzer driver looks like. They know what the BTE trigger looks like, or like the Bucks like 450 splash. Like they, they get these things. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I I just think that having them paired with Top Flight. I don't know. Like I guess it depends on if the beatdown of Top Flight after the match is a setup for Top Flight to at least get. Like they're getting um, a win against the hybrid too. Oh, okay. Interesting. See, I thought the hybrid two is going to beat top flight on their way to a match against the young bucks where they cause further injury on the young bucks. Well, here, here, this goes into, I had two other complaints about AEW this week. First is that every match ended with a post-match beatdown of some kind. It's it. You needed a, a different pattern in terms of, you know, what you're going to do and how you're going to frame who goes into what feud versus every match win post-match beatdown next match win post-match beatdown. The other one was of course, Jim Ross when talking about AEW heels, the bake sale comment, that crap can't fly on TV these days, Chris. Uh, no, there, there was another one too. Like that one was bad, but then when he went, Serena Deeb is half Irish and half Arabic. That's very interesting. Like, no, it's not. Well, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't go further. I think. No, I think he didn't he go himself. further. But like, he just said. He said that. And it's just like, dude. Like, like it's, it's not. <laughs> just stop. Stop. So, so uh, what do you think of that uh, women's title match? I liked it, but I just, I just didn't understand the storytelling in that. I, I, it's not bad. It's just weird. Okay, what well, I couldn't you get have out the of my brain. You have the beat down, and then she kicks out of all the stuff. I, I mean, I, it okay. wasn't clear to me if Deeb did or did not see the interference. Right. right. Like th- there was some degree of ambiguity there. Uh, but and the other thing I couldn't get out of my head is it's like I remember when Deeb was introduced as the like enhancement talent for Thunder Rosa not that <laughs> long ago. 
And in now a she's build the up champ. for a match against Hikaru or Shida, and now she's the champion. And like we're, it's 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 too soon to be doing this inversion thing right now. Yeah, and plus you have an AEW women's title that desperately needs contenders. Yes, yes, uh, it's it's interesting because like NWA. I think is is having some issues uh, or is kind of struggling right now, but like AEW really benefits from having access to the NWA talent. It's been very, very generative. It's been good. I think for NWA in terms of keeping them in the conversation, because you're seeing like Thunder Rosa and Eddie Kingston, Ricky Stark. You're like, where all these people come from? Oh, national wrestling alliance. Uh, But I also think that AEW really benefits because this women's division is just going in circles. Uh, like, it's the same stuff. Oh, here's another one uh, in terms of, like, weird storytelling. Vicky Guerrero and uh, Nyla Rose apparently made up. Have they? I didn't uh, Did you, They were nice. hanging out with Jade Cargill. Like, like oh, they're okay. all just getting along now. That's cool. Huh. That was a pay-per-view angle. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> like I'm. Oh, and then Orange Cassidy, dude. I feel like I've seen like ever. I've seen this match. This is the this is the John Silver match. Yeah, you have your you have the Orange Cassidy match. He's yeah. he's the boogie. He's he's Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant. Comes yeah. out, does his thing. People love him. I mean, I, I guess that's you know that's fine. I, I don't expect him to be higher on the card. Do you? I was under the impression they can evolve him when they need that, to. They don't need well, to. Well, I was under the impression that they were building him earlier this year. Okay. And, and I certainly think there are a lot of people in like the broader internet wrestling community and in the commentariat who approached a lot of orange Cassidy's matches in spring and summer under the presumption that orange Cassidy was on his way into the main event picture. And I think that he's like a comedy wrestler. Yeah, I think that's all he is now, too. I think that he had the main event push, and then they're cooling him off, and they're going to wait for crowds. I think that's that's the thing. Uh, I, I, did wa- I wanted to comment on this Director X package. I, I just think it's a little too soon to be calling yourself revolutionary in terms of changing the wrestling landscape. I... I, I they they're just celebrating their one year anniversary. They're celebrating themselves, and that's, I know, no, that's, it's it's. Can you imagine? Did TNA do something like this at their first anniversary? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I would like to see that pulled and just. I mean, you know, like look, uh, it it could be the start of something wonderful. Uh, it could also be the first year anniversary of Ring of Honor or TNA. Yeah, I, I just, I think you get, I think they're getting a little high off their own supply. You know, Lucha Underground had a great first season. Yeah. Jeff, it really did. It and wasn't did. the first season that was the problem. How many musical numbers did they have in that first season? Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get that they're not, they're, they're the anti WWE. I'm fine with that. I'm, if you want to use that as your marketing strategy, I've, I've criticized it, but if it, that's where you're going, Fine, but don't tell me a lot of this stuff is, you know, for, for all you can say about, well, the wrestlers get to make their own character. Great. But on the other hand, if I'm a promoter, I, I'm not booking Miro as a video game nerd. 
<laughs> you want to keep eyes on the business. Uh, I mean, like, for a long time, we've seen a non-virtuous relationship between the owner of the wrestling company and the performers in WWE. Like, the, granted, right? But in, in a more virtuous version of this, the owner of the company is not unlike the director of a movie. Right. In that they see the big picture, and what they're trying to do is make the best movie, which is going to be best for all of the actors involved in the film, up and down the film. Um, and not having editing there... Uh, certainly you see this, I, I would argue, with the Inner Circle skits um, or when you see uh, the Hardy Compound stuff. Not having the ability to tell performers no or or if, some, as some people are contending, uh, you know, there is some degree of pushback against the performers. It tells you how bad the instincts are. Like, if, if it is to be believed that there are people pushing back against the performers, and this is what's getting through the membrane, the instincts are very, very dodgy. It could very well be there's pushback, and then they go, well, why not? I want to do it. And then it's, well, okay, go ahead. You know, that that's what it feels like a lot of times. It's like, there'll be pushback. And it'll be like, no, trust me, I'll make this work. Okay. Yeah, well, what do you know about <laughs> wrestling? I've been in this business, you know, 15 years, man. Yeah, and and it's like, I, I just don't see a lot of what I was told Tony Khan's vision was and then Tony Khan's vision. I just don't see it. I see a lot of, I see a lot of individuals' creative efforts in there and I can tell who is who by what the program is and who's involved for the most part. But I don't see, I see, it's still to me a company that wants to be all things to all people. And I don't think you can have that as a company. But that's me. I mean, I'll get pushback on it. And that's well, fine. Well, so I think let's put a little finer point on what all things to all people means. Is It's essentially a company that wants to have every program satisfy every performer. And what that is creating and is, every fan and every fan. You have to add that in as well. Yeah. And every fan. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I suppose because, because they went hard into, for lack of a better term, the woke wrestling fan as a company. And that it feels audience, like that was more true earlier. Like yeah. in the first, it was more true in the first quarter of the first year, maybe even the first like six months of the first year. Than it has been the last six months. Right. But there, um, there are still people criticizing certain lack of representation, et cetera, et cetera, on, on this show. Which I, I think they've actually done a fairly good job of promoting minority acts on AEW. And actually, WWE, which is is a terrible company to work for, has... We'll get into this in the Survivor Series thing. They've done quite a bit of promotion of, of minority acts as well. It, it's not a... It's not a huge, as big a hole as it used to be. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's certainly an evolving picture. Um, the inner circle slays Vegas thing. The uh, Hangover. Uh, like, okay, so you, <laughs> when you were talking about yeah, yeah, like the remake of the Hangover during the coronavirus <laughs> pandemic, um, like you were talking earlier about you can tell who's writing what thing. And it's very obvious, you know, Jericho basically gets to do whatever he wants to do with his angles and no one can tell him otherwise. Uh, but I think it's a terrible, uh, you know, unlike orange Cassidy, who I think is popular enough with the kids that you can reheat him for a main event push. 
I think that this is really not helping MJF. Um, I, I like, I don't, I don't find it particularly entertaining, but I just, this, the more this goes on, the more kind of convoluted it is. And MJF is kind of just like lost in the fold here. He's not gaining by no. being around more people. For me, the further it goes into entertainment, the harder it's going to be to make that 180 pivot for him to be badass heel again. He would need to, at this point, I think, betray every single member of the inner circle. Like, his whole goal was, like, the it's it was my plan all along moment has to be, like, he betrays Guevara, Ortiz, um, the other one, Santana, uh, and uh, Jericho, and Hagar all in one night. Like, him and Wardlow... As two guys, like demolished. a Kaiser Soze type yeah, thing, because yeah, yeah. I can see where they're going with this, and they're thinking they're going to do it like Kevin Owens does it, which is a little too cutesy and a little too haha, laugh, laugh, laugh type thing. Whereas I, I just think wrestling fans, for the most part, just want talking smack and fake fighting. I don't think, I, I think, yeah. These are the WWE type of instincts come to life a lot of times. I don't mind this once in a while, but this is now becoming weekly. These types of vignettes, comedy sketches on t- on TV type this of thing. This was like right, it was in between the Moxie Omega stuff, but like, yeah, on one side you have Orange Cassidy and then you have the inner circle on the other side. Like, like it. there's just a lot of funny on this show, and I'm putting funny in air quotes because it's not always particularly funny. Right, and and it's one of those things where, you know, you remember, I, I quote this all the time because it's one of those quotes that sticks with you is that, you know, William Regal's proudest moment was when he came out in drag because that's a memorable moment and nobody will remember my matches, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, yeah, but if you're having those moments week after week after week after week after week, they don't become as memorable. You have to... Get the space those out. I don't have a problem with comedy. I, you know, uh, you can yell at me. Old school Jeff liked the horseman, but there was a vignette where Ric Flair was supposed to spend a night with Precious and it turned out to be, you know, Ronnie Garvin in drag who knocked him out. Okay, that was funny, but that was also wrestling and building to a fight, et cetera. You know, Ric Flair making out with a mannequin on a promo. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll take my lumps for being a little bit hypocritical here, but... That didn't happen every week, necessarily. Well, I think Ric Flair serves as a nice rebuttal to the William Regal self-deprecating way of justifying, you know, doing the comedy spots. You can have your matches be remembered uh, and also do funny things. Um, I, I don't think that these two are... I don't think they're mutually exclusive, but, like, I don't... There's no way to have a memorable match the way Orange Cassidy and Kip Sabian are doing it. Right. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Speaking of William Regal, he is the one of the best things on NXT. <laughs> Whether it's flustered schoolmaster, 
or Peacemaker or whatever, but that's how I'm going to transition to NXT. Again, I don't want six weeks of storytelling on a two-hour show. They need this, 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 this Leon Ruff program. I was in on it last week. This week, they got me out of it, and then they brought me back into it, and now I don't know. And let me explain. I, that match last week where Ruff wins the title, I don't believe he's aware of the Damian Priest interference, is he? No, he is. He, oh, he, he is? is based off of the promo that he gave later okay. on. Yeah, 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 no, because it because it, it was he wasn't just alluding to the interference that night. Okay. Like he talked about, I'm not a prop. Well, that being said, let's take the WWE's own rule book and do the no automatic rematches clauses. Let's give Leon Ruff a win over someone. Doesn't have to be somebody of note. Could be a local competitor, but let's just show him as having legitimate skills to be a champion versus just babyface comebacks versus the stars. You know, let's give him his moment to be a champion for a week before we go down this road of everybody's chasing him because he's a fluke because he's being treated as a fluke. And once you get past the program where you're a fluke, there's there's very limited things you can do with a guy after that. So you have to give him credibility along the way before you yank the rug out from under him. Now, I, I dug... don't think they're yanking the rug out from under him, though. That, that's Not yet. Who... No, I, I think he's winning at TakeOver. Well, I think he's winning at TakeOver, but I don't think it's going to be... I think it's going to be like he gets knocked out and falls on a guy for a three count type of thing. I don't think it's going to be a legitimate pin type. No, I, I, I got to tell you, I think it's going the other way, man. I think he is hitting his finishing move on Johnny Gargano. And like, we're getting over what this guy's finisher is. And like, this is going to be kind of like the, all right, he's the North American champion. Now, how much legs can you have with this guy who the belt doesn't fit around? And like, you've now done that joke multiple times. I don't know. I think we're going to be very, very close to the ceiling of whatever credibility he can have after TakeOver. But I, I do think he is coming out of TakeOver with a strong win. Okay, here's what I liked. I liked Priest hitting him to give him the, to give him the DQ win. I, I thought that was clever. I liked the backstage, hey, I'm not this clown that you can push around like that. Don't you ever do that again. I liked him standing up for himself because... It needed that after that segment. Otherwise, he's just the goof that gets gets beat up a lot about. What I didn't like was then when he comes out and interferes and ends up beating up Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano at once, and then they do the whole Godzilla thing. I think that needed to be spaced out. I think you need to build up the tension between Priest and Ruff a little bit where it's like, oh, man, thanks for helping me here, here, here. Yeah, just looking out for you, kid. But don't think you're coming after this title, blah, blah, blah type thing before then just going out and deciding to get more receipts because it made Leon Ruff look like kind of a dick, I thought. I think the only issue that I had with the second angle where they're in the ring, um, all three of them, is when he accidentally hits Damian Priest, yeah. Ruff should just own it. 
Um, yeah. Like, yeah, he should just like look at Priest and go like, yeah, I'm going to do it too. I, I, I kind of want him to be, I'm a bad man, Leon Ruff. Like, don't mess with me. I'm Leon Ruff. I, yeah, I, I just don't want him to be delusional. I don't want him to be a delusional champion. I don't want him champion. to be delusional, but like, I think if you're going to get this guy over at all, like the way it's going to be done is he is the most intense man in the ring. He's a baby face. You're just like this guy. His This is my one shot at glory. Yeah, and his and aura stands seven feet tall, even if he stands five foot four. Strong week for the women across NXT. UK and, yeah, and yeah, the US. Absolutely. Yeah, I know for sure, for sure. Where to start? Let's do this tag match thing since it's setting up war games. And I, look, I hate, I hate that war games is becoming like Hell in a Cell where you're not using it in its natural position. You're just putting it somewhere. Like, I think there's enough excuse for Undisputed Era and the Kings of NXT to be a war games. Match. I think there's enough heat in that feud. I don't think there's enough heat in in these women's feuds to justify a war games match no dakota kai and raquel gonzalez as a tag team have been involved in a number of angles but it hasn't felt like they've gotten hotter as the years progressed and ember moon and tony storm like i don't know uh you've beaten all four of these women fairly regularly like you'll have a couple matches where they win and then they'll lose a couple you'll have a couple matches where they win and they'll lose a couple. at least for the it's Gonzalez strange to have the Dakota big return team. of ember moon and tony storm just be like swallowed up by war games it felt yeah. like both of them were gonna have angles and instead they don't have angles at all they just have this war games track that they're on i mean dakota kai was the hottest heel coming out of that war games and now she's second banana to raquel gonzalez who has also been beat a couple times and they don't know whether they're going to separate them or put them together again. I, I just... They don't know if they're moving Raquel up the card or not yet. I yeah. think she she's getting better. Uh, I, I think the plan here is clearly we want to get the bell on Raquel. But when is that going to be? Um, and yeah, who who is going to you know do the honors there? I, I, mean, I think the hope is probably like Io Shirai. Uh, the I have, disciplined have... risk taker, as I've heard. <laughs> She is. I, I appreciated the homage to the 1987 War Games building the cage ad from uh, from Shotzi. And yeah, I, look, I love using war pigs. I do. I think. That's oh, yeah. No, song. that's really cool. I know. I, I, I heard I heard the black. Well, you're never going to get me to slag Black Sabbath, dude. I love Black Sabbath. No. Uh, that tag match, though, I. I'm really starting to warm up on this Catanzaro, Caden Carter team. They're no, they were doing tandem stuff. They were yes. doing. They had the type of match that you and I wanted them to have. Yes, and, and let me throw this. Let me throw this at you. Okay. Well, before you continue yeah, your ahead. thing, I think it's good if NXT tag teams occasionally get to challenge and win the women's tag straps because they can go on any show. And I think these two beating Nia Jax would do wonders for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially if you got over their gymnastic spots. Like, you know, we were talking about, like, I don't have a problem with gymnastic style wrestling. And if you're going to use someone like Casey Catanzaro in her best possible way, she's doing gymnastic stuff. Uh, that, that is what she is there to do. Uh, and I actually, no, I, I like this team. Uh, I and, think and for they have old school Jeff. For old school Jeff, what it does 
is it gives the feeling again. Back in the day, the storyline was singles wrestlers were great singles competitors, but you weren't ever sure if they were as good as two people acting as a tag team who had practiced together and who knew each other's mindsets and what they were going to do at any given time. And then you could eventually beat tag team wrestlers in singles matches to help build up stars. But I like the idea of Carter and Catanzaro beating, being able to beat Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax because the two of them act as a team and Nia Jax is more of a singles wrestler. I just like the and and the size differential, of course, makes that as well. You have them take the titles over to NXT for a while, visit Raw, visit SmackDown occasionally, you know, and then have another team take the titles off of them. I, I think it'd be fine. Yeah, I mean, I think they can also go around, too, and be involved in main roster angles during these title defenses. So they can go and instead of just trying to defend the titles on the NXT roster, which has gotten a little, it's a little circular. I don't think it's as circular as uh, AEW's uh, women's roster, but one of the nice things about WWE is that you can have these women titles going around from SmackDown to Raw back to NXT, and they can be involved in angles where wherever there is feuding partners or wherever there's some sort of like main event thing. So Sasha Banks versus whoever Sasha Banks is going up against Asuka. Um, and she's partnered up with whoever she's going to be going up against at the next pay-per-view. And that'll give Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter a nice win over like bigger name talent in a justifiable way. Well, you, you laid into something that I really, I am, this entire, this women's division is stacked in NXT. The problem is they're all fighting each other at the same time. At all times. And it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, at, at all times and with very little stakes or narrative development. I feel like yeah. I've seen Dakota Kai fight everyone. And like, I don't really have distinct memories of why she hates this person or that person. Yeah. They don't, they don't really raise the stakes. I mean, the only thing out of this war games thing is I think Indy Hartwell has to be the weak link. She has to be the one who, you know, she's the young boy of, of Candace LeRae. She doesn't quite know what she's getting into. You know, Dakota Kai has been in a war games or at least was scheduled to be in a war games, you know, all these veteran, you can't have Dakota Kai be the weak link here. You have to have Indy Hart be the weak link. Oh, you think the baby faces are winning? Yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, at least right now, I do. I'm not. Or, or I think, I think. Well, <laughs> we'll get into this when we get into the booking. I think, I think Ember Moon's probably doing an eclipse onto one of member of the babyface team. I think she's turning heel. Which is just stupid because she's not yet a baby face, really. <laughs> the, the return of, and what's funny is upon return, Tony Storm had been doing the more heelish of the promos. Yeah, she was then, doing the intense thing too. She was yes. like, you guys see a different Tony Storm. And she was also a jerk to Ember Moon. But then Ember Moon also was, quote, wrestling a different style that was more submission based, which is traditionally a precursor to a heel turn. Um, it, 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 everything's very weird, uh, in this division. They have a ton of talent though. It's not, it's not the talent's fault. It's just the utilization. And then the Io Shirai 
Rhea Ripley match. That, that thing, that thing was fantastic. That was takeover worthy. I thought I loved the accidental juice. I thought that added a lot to the story. Um, it, it felt like a goodbye to Rhea Ripley to me, but it was, it was one of my favorite Io Shirai matches uh, in this NXT run, mostly because of the end. I loved the not wasting time with dramatics that WWE likes to do. Rhea Ripley crawls in, beats the count, automatic moonsault, one, two, three. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. They beat the crap out of each other. This was hard hitting. This is a Hoss match. This is everything I love about professional wrestling, especially the NXT women's division. I, I adored this match, Chris. The moment I really enjoyed, or the gear shift that I really enjoyed in this match was when EO started working on Rhea Ripley's hand and arm. I don't know oh, yeah. why. I just found that, like, it was... The rolling it, arm it, bars and things yes, like that. Yes, it was, like, she the was just... right time to start doing that. I was just like, yes, yeah. Like, that's when, that's when my suspension of disbelief is really able to kick in, and I feel like I'm watching a fight, and it's just, it's just very gratifying. It was very old school, because it's that's what the underdog do. You're going to pick a body part, you're going to work on it, and try and get the win that way. I thought Rhea's selling was quite good on this as well, in terms of the shoulder after getting thrown into the stairs and, you know, the blood just helped that she was getting her butt kicked by that, by this smaller woman. I, yeah, it was, it was, oh, it was so good. I just, I just want EO to have matches against Bailey, Oscar and Sasha before this whole thing is over. Sprinkling and Kaylee Ray too. Kaylee Ray. Yes. Oh God. I'd, I'd love a unification bout between the two belts. You know, I, I yeah, uh, this match was great. And then the best promo in professional wrestling today, Pat McAfee. <laughs> this guy does just get it. It's it's crazy. He is a main event level promo. He he's a, he's an entertaining one. That Pat McAfee. Now I believe for pop cultural reference sake, a lot of people I think missed this, but I believe he's doing De Niro from The Untouchables when he's going. I want this person dead. This his family dead. His parents. Dead. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. This is where <laughs> this is where the old guy helps a little bit. If if you had been listening to other shows, I think that reference was missed. But I liked. It just sounds like. You know what's sad is I caught Ziggler making a Clerks reference on SmackDown tonight. <laughs> he was the, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yeah, but uh, the Undertaker's is bad. I'm mean, not the Undertaker, but uh, the the Untouchables is badass. Clerks is ironic fun. I mean, there's a difference. I mean, it's like quoting, you know, it's like quoting a Wes Anderson movie if you're quoting Clerks on a uh, on a wrestling show. Meanwhile, you know, De Niro. I mean, you quote Goodfellas all day long, and it's badass. I I love this. I liked the uh, Undisputed Era's return, um, and and I liked the I liked the fighting and brawling as we go off the air. I, that's just a staple of old syndicated wrestling is, oh, well, we'll, we'll keep the cameras rolling. We'll talk to you next week. And you leave the people wanting more. That's just good pro wrestling to me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think the undisputed era part of this really brings home, you know, like why does Pete Dunn hate or why is Pete Dunn associated with these guys? Oh yeah. He hates the undisputed era. Pete Dunn will always hate the undisputed era, whether they're good guys or bad guys. And they had another moment during that promo where it's like, you know, he's, uh, 
Uh, McAfee's getting a little too flaky heel, getting a little bit too comical heel, getting a little bit too proud of his own jokes. And Pete Dunne just goes, no, I'm not doing that crap. Oh, yeah, okay, you're the focused one of the group. Got it. Love that dynamic. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Because eventually Pete Dunne's going to kill these guys, too. The Pete Dunne, Pat McAfee match will be fun, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the Danny Birch one when, when they decide to turn. Yeah, I'm all about that. Uh, the thing I'm avoiding, the blindfold match, there's no such thing as a good blindfold match. Oh, ever. and this is, this is no exception, but I'm just, I don't connect in any way, shape, or form with the baby face Dexter Lubis character, and <laughs> I feel like Cameron Grimes is just really criminally misused here. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's another one that I thought was really weird. Introducing Arturo Huras, or Huas, um, and giving him like his new name of like destruction total or like, yeah, I don't know how to say it in Brazilian or Portuguese. Uh, but then he gets defeated in a match against Kushida where Kushida like does the young bucks thing. He's like, nice job kid. Um, and it was probably the right length for this type of match or like the, the type of match that they, the young bucks should have had with top flight that length. But why introduce Arturo Huas as total destruction um, and then he doesn't even get the win against Kushida. Right. I look, he was originally drafted onto raw too. So him being in NXT is, is something fantastic, but, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put something to you. I want to see who us, and I want to see him fight Thatcher. And I think that'd be awesome. Especially yeah. after this, oh, yeah. especially after Thatcher and this Tommaso Ciampa program where Ciampa is basically, Chumpa's taken Aleister Black's main roster gimmick, right? Just looking for a fight? I, yeah, I, essentially, yeah, he's just walking around fighting people. Yeah. And I'm, look, I will take Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa here. I will. I, I, liked, uh, I liked him destroying August Gray. Uh, but no, I, I'm already seeing this angle where, like, Arturo Huas is brought into the Thatch's Thatch Can school and, like, it is basically Thatcher thinks he's got another August Gray situation on his mm-hmm. hands, but but Huras is is way more than an August Gray situation. I hope so, because I like Huras a lot. I No, <laughs> I think he, he's good, man. And I, and I just, like, I want to see him go up against Kyle O'Reilly and get 15 minutes. Like, there's a lot of interesting pairings for guys. Or like, there's a lot of good Huas. wrestling to be had. Now, just stop doing the crappy stalkers and... <laughs> blindfold so much of it goes back to dumb comedy angles and then highlighting that the referee in the ring this week looks a lot like the zombie referee you know i liked that that beth said i i bet you thought i was gonna say it again i appreciated that back off of it because i think now the joke's done i appreciated it chris i I'm, i'm gonna disagree with you a little bit there but but i understand your point I understand your point. I want to see Cameron Grimes be more of a badass, but they just view him as a country bumpkin and through the moon. <laughs> just, yeah. I, I mean, he, I, that being said, I think Cameron Grimes is a likely suspect to get the belt off of Leon Ruff at some point. Huh? I, I just think it's probably going to be either. Oh, well, yeah, I guess if he wins the triple threat, they'd have to do that. I, I just, I mean, don't, the to the moon thing is just like, I, I get that like, you know, he's from outer space or whatever. He's a space cadet, but, uh, like, I don't know, man. I, I still think, 
I don't think he'll be doing comedy stuff forever. Well, let's end then with the Survivor Series preview. I'm not watching this thing live. I, I, are you kidding Look, me? I mean, you know, I like a fast forward button. I'm just saying. Yeah, and you can do that after the fact. Uh, seven matches on the card, one on the pre-show. Uh, brand supremacy is at stake. Not money, not titles, just t-shirt wars. So, <sighs> it, it's a... about pride, about the brand uh, oh, that they just got I... drafted to. Yeah, and I just I think all these matches because they're not going to want to beat certain people. All the participants, I I think there's going to be a lot of screw jobs. There's going to be a lot of run-ins. There's going to be a lot of chicanery here. Get ready for it. It might be the worst pay-per-view of the year. I'll, I'll say that right. Because everybody's bickering, and that also makes for not fun wrestling. Starting off on the pre-show, dual brand Battle Royale. Participants to be announced. Chris, just go out on a limb and name somebody you think is going to win this. Dabakato. It's a strong pick. I am going to go with Biggie. Okay. Just because... My joke, of course, was you're going to have to tell half these participants what brand they're actually on so they can wear the right T-shirt. Because I'm sure Mojo Raleigh probably isn't sure at this point what brand he's on. Matt <laughs> I think Seidel. I think... <laughs> Wrong company, Chris. Um... Get him to come back and do that shooting star press. <laughs> you can come back and do a shooting star press and... <laughs> and then get thrown out like a geek. Yeah, <laughs> There's probably going to be a 24-7 story somewhere in the middle of this battle royale where people are pinning everybody and then truth eventually or no it's tucker now is it tucker ends up back with the title yeah so whatever it's a battle royale won't be anything interesting starting with the men's five on five elimination match team raw aj styles keith lee sheamus braun Strowman, and riddle and all their wacky nicknames Taking on Team SmackDown of Kevin Owens, Jey Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and being added tonight, Otis, my man. Chris, how do you see this going? I think AJ Styles' team is winning, and I think Sheamus is going to be having a strong showing during the course of this match, which plays into later in the card. I am going to disagree with you. I think... No. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, <laughs> I I just think it's going to be more bickering by Team Raw. I think Retribution may end up coming down here at some point. Well, if you're saying my man, Mr. Jack, might uh, get the dub. I'm oh, he's it. never getting a dub. The only person ever on Retribution getting Stop a W that. is going to be Ollie. Stop. And you know this and I know this. <laughs> I think Sheamus probably ends up brawling with Braun Strowman at some point. Uh, you know, Keith Lee might get in an argument with somebody. I think Otis is your winner here from SmackDown. Maybe Otis and Kevin Owens. Keeping him strong going into his appearance on NXT next week. So we have a difference of opinion there. Chris picks Raw. I pick SmackDown. Going to the women's five-on-five, five, the... Murderer's Row lineup of Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lana, Lacey Evans, and Peyton Royce taking on Team SmackDown, Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, and added tonight, Bailey 
Aunt Pam on this team, the captain. I just tweeted a funny picture that she sent out. And Natalia. I thought maybe Rhea Ripley would be added to one of those teams, but I think that would make things very, very difficult. I am going to go first here. I think, yes, Nia and Shayna end up putting Lana through a table early on. I think SmackDown probably has a lot of bickering on it between Bailey and Bianca, because I think that's going to be a feud there. I think they tease Lana winning, but I think Bianca Belair eventually overcomes. Or Bailey ends up getting Bianca Belair eliminated, and then Lana ends up pinning Bailey in the end. That's that's the only two things I see, but I think I just think Bianca Belair ends up standing tall here. Yeah, it seems like the finish is going to play heavily into Bianca Belair. Uh, I don't buy into the Lana angle only because I don't think they want good things to happen to Lana. I think so, it's a red herring. It's a yeah. red herring. They're going to build up the hope spot and they're going to yeah. crush your dreams. Right. Well, they're, it's not about crushing my dreams. It's about. No, it's your dreams, Chris. I've seen them. I've seen the jackalopes. They want They want Lana to be Mr. a jackalope. Mr. Jack is not in this match, sir. No, but Lana would be great in retribution. You got it. They have <laughs> They have reckoning and rec- reckoning is excellent. Thank you. I thought reckoning would end up being on this team, but instead we got Lacey and Pate. That wouldn't make any sense. Retribution does not belong to any organization. They resist the establishment. That's why they signed contracts with WWE, right? A technicality. Uh, for the uh, for the mid-card singles men's titles feud, a former feud that we never got to see the end of, and thank God we didn't because it was a terrible feud. Bobby Lashley, the United States champion, taking on Sami Zayn doing his Fidel Castro cosplay. Will Bobby uh, Lashley's sisters or an, or an, or a uh, obstacle course play any part in this match, Chris? I hope Bobby Lashley brings back the talking ass pose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. He, he has been saddled with so many crappy gimmicks since he's come back here. Um... I, I think Sami Zayn wins this match, right? Do you? Yeah, I do. I don't. I this is gonna be Bobby Lashley by murder death. Okay. This is gonna be All this right. is gonna be a virtual squash, I think. I think they'll probably find some reason for Sammy to be distracted, perhaps Daniel Bryan. Oh no, you know what? Now, now I take it back. Yeah, no, it's th- this is Vince once again making like political statements in a ham handed way. He's gonna yes. have yeah, he's gonna have Bobby Lashley just crushed the hell out of uh, Antifa Sami Zayn. Now, let me go back to a point I was making earlier. There is representation on these shows. But to me, this and look, I'm I'm just a dopey middle-aged white guy. I can't speak to this, but I love the Hurt Business. I love the seriousness of the Hurt Business. I love that they feel like a wrestling stable. I do not like what they're doing between the New Day and the Street Profits and even throwing in Big E in there right now, who I thought they were going to push to be a single thing, but now he's back to doing what Big E does. Look, it's not for me to say that this is accurate representation. I just don't trust Vince McMahon when he finds... Look, all Montez Ford has been doing for the past six months is singing 
I'm ready, ready, and saying we want the smoke. And Angelo Dawkins been stirring a bowl. <laughs> you worry that yes, the stream profits are caught in the R Truth track. Yes. Yeah, I, and I don't think that's an unreasonable concern where Vince sees talent like Montez Ford, Arch Ron Killings, who's a good wrestler, who's been who's at a very high level, like all through the last decade, and was relegated to singing, dancing, comedy spots and catchphrases. Uh, and yeah, I, I do worry, not necessarily that this is happening to the New Day, but certainly that the Street Profits are... Well, let, me cut, let me cut you off real quick. Okay. I worry about it with the New Day right now because they've lost that subversiveness. Yeah, that's true too. In terms of, they used to throw out lines out there and you could tell they were just trying to get away with things at first, and now they're pancake throwing. Look, I love the continuity of Xavier Woods wanting to be King of the Ring. I dug that, but... There's something now missing from that act where they're just kind of playing the hits and they're there to dance and to preach positivity and to throw pancakes. You know, I just, I, I get it. It's just, it, this feels, it feels like the Spider-Man GIF where they're pointing at each other in very many ways. And yeah. And I think dangerous. that that's part of what amuses Vince is like, okay, you've got these two teams going up against each other, but there's just been no, there's been nothing to really fuel this feud. But this uh, is Vince also saying, look at me, civil rights icon, fan of Martin Luther King Jr., Vince McMahon. Yeah, except that, like, then you can <laughs> drill down into the actual presentation of these two teams. With the, the If you don't have any depth, um, I was watching a movie not that long ago where, like, the, the entire cast was, was African-American, but, like, all of the characters um, were really, really, really flat characters. Um, and if you don't actually have depth to the characters... Then casting doesn't matter. Right. That's, yeah. like and, and, like, I do think, like, that's the thing that you're butting up against here with the New Day and the Street Profits is, in theory... Um, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, uh, Montez Ford, and to a lesser extent, but still, you know, to a certain degree, uh, Angelo Dawkins, they're all really entertaining people, uh, who are capable of having more kind of fully fleshed and well-rounded characters. And, and they're never going to get that in the WWE because it's always play the hits. Yeah. Pancakes and catchphrases. Uh-huh. You know, if, if, if the street profits left and came back five years later, They'd still be, it's like the Hardy Boys when they were still doing the Hardy Boys. Yes, yeah, that's actually a really good good example. They brought back the Hardys and they, they didn't have Matt and Jeff get back in the tie-dye, but they had them get back in the uh, cargo pants from 1998 like you're going to fire up the new metal albums. We're going to listen to Hybrid Theory and then a little bit of Corn's Fall of the Leader after that. Who wins this match, Chris? Because I have an interesting theory. Between the Street Profits and the New Day? Yes. Uh, I'm going to say the Street Profits win. I'm not only going to say the Street Profits win. Heel turn? I don't think it's a heel turn per se, but I think... Now, back me off on this if I'm going too far. I think Big E screws the New Day for quote-unquote brand supremacy reasons. Oh. Because it it felt like that's what that... It felt like that promo that we were watching... Uh, at the beginning of SmackDown, that felt like a red herring to me. And it feels like Big E's going to come down to the ring 
and everybody's going to be thinking he's going to interfere on behalf of the New Day to help his friends, and then he ends up screwing the New Day because he's a SmackDown guy now, and you guys are raw, and this will be a clean break. Not a heel turn, just a, hey, I'm helping my guys here who are on SmackDown. Yeah, I, I could see them doing that. I was thinking the heel turn was going to be the Street Profits turn heel. And that after all of these weeks of niceties and laughy laugh, ha ha ha, now Montez and Dawkins are going to get a little bit mean. Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't see Vince wanting to do that to acts that he finds entertaining. Go out there and make me laugh some more. Well, so I, 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 I also don't... don't know that he has a, what's step two after step one turn them heel like right. i don't i don't i if he does that i don't think he's got any sense of what montez ford or angelo dawkins's new heel personas are going to be based around and what has been a god-awful build but perhaps another anticipated match for me you're we're all your wall women's champion your raw women's champion oscar Taking on the boss, Sasha Banks, the SmackDown women's champion. Sasha Banks has just been terrible on these. I'm the boss. I'm the best. Ah, nobody can deny me. Promos. Asuka's out. Look, I love me some Asuka. Everybody knows I loves me some Asuka. I love her in the trial for Otis. But now all she does is she comes out and she just demeans and, and, does gibberish and there's no growth here at all since making her put on the stupid green paint. And she's a baby face. Now that was heel Oscar. Let, let's, let's bring her back. Uh, let's, let's get her back. But this, <laughs> this Michael Cole face to face was terrible, Chris. And I hate to say that because I love both women. No, this was really bad. Um, and Sasha going, I understand what you're saying now when Oscar's over there spouting gobbledygook. <laughs> well, I think, I think the message is she's been trained in Japan a little bit, so she understands Japanese. Yeah, no, I know. Well, but, like, I mean, Asuka's not even really... She's speaking sub-Japanese, but sometimes she's just repeating the same sometimes word. Sometimes she's just saying, yeah. She's just she's saying just the same anything. word over and over and over You're again. You're the like, boss! You're the boss! boss. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, I don't need a translator for that. Um, yeah, like... Or I can hear what she's saying the same word in Japanese over and over again, too. Like, I, it's just this Asuka gimmick is it's become like oh, almost like an ironic version of what Asuka's gimmick was yes. six years ago. Actually, it's almost an ironic version of NXT Asuka. Right. Yeah. Right. If, if you were someone who I, I don't know, just really had it out for her. In 2014, and like I, for whatever reason, you were that one person in in the wrestling fan base who was like, "This Oscar talent over here at NXT, I think she's a crap sandwich." And you wanted to make like a parody version of her because you were wrong as hell in 2014. It would be this version of Oscar. I just I love her to death, and I think the world of her, and all she has to do is be a killer. That's all she has to be. Um, uh, she should have hit Sasha with the mist. I think she's going to. Well, and then when she's standing by as Carmella's beating up Sasha. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to read into that. I'm trying that, to read into that to decide who's winning here. 
That was weird. And then, like, I mean, this gets into Sasha Banks having similar problems, not like the Young Bucks. Uh, it's kind of a weird comp here. But, like, is she a babyface? Is she a heel? Well, her story's yeah. been kind of zigging and zagging in multiple different directions, and it's made it really hard to kind of connect with her where she's trying to be at from week to week. And we're taking all the goodwill from the Bailey stuff and putting it into a Carmella feud, and... Look, I, I think I, a belt drop to Carmella. Oh, oh, no, no, maybe. Oh, God, just to think of that. Look, I, how do you have this match going? I need to think about it a little bit. I think that Sasha beats Oscar. I'm going to go, I'm thinking non-finish quite a bit. Oh, Carmella interferes? But I think Carmella interferes, and then Asuka take. Oh, no. Asuka's using the mist on Carmella. Asuka's going to use the mist on Carmella for interfering in the match. That's going to help Sasha make the roll-up and, and get the pin. Sasha's going to get the win over Asuka. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I could see that. I, I, I could also just see maybe Carmella comes down, and then they introduce someone else. Maybe Rhea comes down. And attacks Asuka, so we set up that feud. And then we just don't beat either of them. I could see that happen, too. And finally, Drew McIntyre, your new Raw WWE champion as of Monday. And a cat. Versus yeah, yeah, Cheshirefield cat. Very excited about the Drew McIntyre push. Versus Roman Reigns, uh, the SmackDown Universal champion with Paul Heyman. Had a lot of... Uh, Special visits between brands these past two weeks, haven't we, Chris? The brand split is a (laughs) time-honored tradition. Uh, Obviously, the wild card use has been heavily in play, or the wild card rule has been heavily in play. Adam Pierce, as a general manager, not enough in the commentary talking about uh, just the high-quality general managering uh, that Adam Pierce has been doing and, and using the wild card rule in a way that really makes the shows fluid and dynamic. He has learned the bylaws. He is the Bill Belichick of WWE rules, and he has the, found loopholes. The Senate parliamentarian, if you will, like, like someone with like that level of knowledge of all the parliamentary procedures that, that have to go on. All right. Who wins? I think Roman Reigns wins here because Sheamus costs Drew McIntyre the match. What do you think, Yuffie? <laughs> like and that that's right right there, like Cheshirefield ran in on Yuffie, and I think that's similar to what's gonna happen here with Sheamus. In this case, Cheshirefield so, so you is think playing the entire Sheamus. you think the entire friendship thing on Raw? Was just a red herring. He's gonna come down. He's gonna oh, start yeah. cheering on his. He's gonna cheer on his boy. Bro, you, you want to know what the tell is here? The tell is really easy these days. It's Sheamus. <laughs> no, okay. The tell is really easy these days because if you listen, they keep. I mean, obviously they're piping in crowd noise, but they tell you how to feel about these characters if you just listen to the audience crowd noise cues. So right. no, Sheamus is a. He's getting booze still. He's a bad guy. So we're so we're getting another basically kind of screw job where Sheamus Yeah, Sheamus ends up helping Roman win, and so we can have that for WrestleMania if we want. 
and and okay. that builds into Roman. I'm Roman Island, Roman Reigns Island, whatever. Come maybe here. have Heyman be the go between. He, he arranged yes. it. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, that, that could be true too. That, that, that's part of the deal. Nah, uh, okay, I can see that. I uh, I could also see Randy Orton coming out and RKOing Roman Reigns. I could, and just says up, oh, up, oh, helping his brandmate. And then maybe Randy's the guy who takes on Roman at Mania, type of thing. I, I don't know. I, oh, I think there's maybe be a at lot Mania, of... but but I think like Reigns' next opponent's probably going to be someone like Daniel Bryan. Well, let me set up this last thing then, because the prop bets here are going to be about the special guest star. It's the 30th anniversary of Undertaker appearing at Survivor Series in 1989, I believe. Maybe it was 1990. I can't remember offhand. I should have done research. I apologize. My favorite Mark Calloway match, of course, or the one I always want. Look, I'm an old NWA guy. I wanted him and Sid Vicious. Just one match as the skyscrapers. They only had one match as a threesome. And he was always the replacement for Sid, but I always wanted him and Sid. Chris, do we set up a WrestleMania match for Taker here? Or is this really the last ride and the last appearance of The Undertaker? Oh, I think we're doing one last WrestleMania angle. I think Mark wants to go out with uh, a kind of like conclusive finish. Now, okay, here, I'll, I'll give you the really outside finish uh, to the main event here. Mark costs uh, Drew McIntyre the match to set up the main event angle for uh, McIntyre versus The Undertaker at Mania. Huh. I would have thought he would have uh, cost Reigns, and then they do the rematch, because I know Reigns, Reigns really wants... <laughs> Reigns doesn't like the taste of that Mania match that he and Taker did. I am going to call my shot as to the Taker opponent. I think it's going to be Bray Wyatt. Because there's, okay. n- there's no cost in beating Bray Wyatt. Oh, you know what? The, the other benefit to this is that Taker can do this cinematic style. Um, if he's doing Bray Wyatt, it's it's much easier for them to do a pre-tape. And then Bray Wyatt can go into all the gimmicks that uh, Undertaker had while in WWE because we know that he changes people when he puts on the mask and puts the fingers down the throat thing. Much oh, like and they did, did that with John Cena, too, where John yeah. Cena kind of shuffled through all the different gimmicks. Uh, Taker could do that. Yeah, with American Badass Taker and the uh, head of the dark corner. What is it, the corporation the, of yeah, yeah, the, with the, uh, the ministry there's the ministry, ministry of darkness of and then ministry there's the darkness. corporate ministry corporate ministry taker <laughs> yeah i think it's gonna be bray wine i think it's gonna be a cinematic match um that probably ends in a half empty stadium in tampa bay because i think uh i don't think undertaker does his his swan song without a crowd i just can't see that and so that could be the other thing that is contingent on if is this the very end for Taker? But I I do think that this is a false retirement tease. Like that this is uh, it's not quite Mark Henry retirement level yet. Uh, but like yeah, no, I don't I don't think it's uh, I I don't. I want now I want Taker in the salmon suit. Come. <laughs> I still got a lot left in the tank. I got to go. <laughs> You know, I mean, people people been giving uh, Taker grief for his wardrobe choices during the last ride. Might as well give him a salmon suit while we're at it too. Uh, 
Well, let's end it there. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes, basically tweeting out when episodes come out. I'd like to thank mybookie.ag once again. Use code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S. Double your first deposit. Get that free money that you can use to then gamble and make more money. Um, we sent you, Chris. Uh, is, is election season over for you? Um, it's not. I mean, are like, you hunting Kraken, Chris? Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I, I don't have a, a long bet standing on my bookie. If that's what you're asking, um, I don't know, man. I'm gonna take a look at the odds and see how that is while, no, you, while you plug your stuff. Hold on, keep going. No, I, I, I did see it. it. It's a bit silly. So, uh, don't worry. TV is uh, the homepage for Don't Worry About the Government. If you want to see video versions of Don't Worry About the Government, they also come out a little bit sooner. You can see those over at patreon.com slash DWATG. I've got a YouTube uh, clips going up now uh, fairly regularly. I've been working a bunch this last week, so I have not been as diligent as I could be on the show. Also, it's been a long election cycle, so I, I needed a week off. Um, and then I'm at Chris Novembrino, C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. The show is at don'tworry.tv. Don't worry about the government. No, right now on my bookie, it's uh, taking odds on the 2024 presidential election and who wins. And uh... <laughs> I think you should get like 10%, right? Yeah, for... Uh... <laughs> one of the two competitors well, right now joe Biden's at plus 100 but you can get things like uh you get andrew cuomo at plus 1200 you can get uh elon musk at plus 7500 <laughs> is there some arcane like election law from like 1878 that musk can utilize to somehow end up in the white house well no you, you can you only have until december 31st at 10 a.m to bet on bet on these, and it's a prop. And like uh, AOC is plus three hundred, Tom Cotton's plus fifteen hundred. Yeah. So if you want to, if, if that's your thing, and you just you know you got a hundred bucks burning in your pocket, and you think you know politics, Kanye West is plus five thousand. What about Chesterfield Cat? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 